This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employers respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Hey guys, you know what this playground could use? A wine country, huh? A redwood forest would be cool. Ski slopes! Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. This is an iHeart Original. Content warning. This episode discusses cyberbullying and suicide. I would always say, Meg, relationships online are not real relationships because you truly don't know who the other person is, right? We can be whoever we want to be. You know, there was a time where Josh put Megan's picture on his profile, like a big picture and said, this is my girlfriend. And I looked at it and I was like, whoa, Megan, (laughs) tell him to get that picture off of there. I said, Meg, I I don't know. This something doesn't seem right. And she was like, what do you mean, Mom? I'm Joanne McNeil, and this is Main Accounts, the story of MySpace. Episode 6, Megan's Story. From the beginning, MySpace was a social network open to experimentation. People with fake identities who used it anonymously could participate on MySpace side-by-side with users who logged in with their real names and posted pictures of themselves. But there were a number of reasons why someone wouldn't have wanted their real name on MySpace. Valid reasons. Maybe you were a queer kid in a small town and wanted to be able to chat on MySpace with other queer people without getting outed. Or maybe you had a stalker who would further harass you if they found your MySpace profile. Or maybe you just wanted to sign up for an account with the name of one of the replicants in Blade Runner, like one of the fakesters on Friendster did, because it's fun and kind of funny. The fluid nature of digital identity on MySpace made the experience special. But for a parent with kids using MySpace, there were real fears about imposters. The story of Megan Meyer created a nationwide furor. Just shy of her 14th birthday, she became a member of MySpace.com. Megan had a history of attention deficit disorder and depression, but she was elated when she met 16-year-old Josh Evans online, a handsome stranger who showered her with compliments. The moral panic over online predators on MySpace was largely overblown. But there was some truth to these fears. 
there were abductions. There were musicians hitting on 14-year-old, 13-year-old, even 11-year-old fans. These stories ended up on the nightly news and further stoked people's fears about who was actually behind various MySpace profiles. And one story, the biggest scandal MySpace had faced yet, showed how the use of a fake account could result in circumstances confusing and surreal and tragic beyond belief. The story of Megan Meyer. Megan was, from the moment she was born, the kid that just moved nonstop and was always curious about things, wanted to know about things. She had this amazing sense of humor. Um, she could make me laugh till I had tears rolling down my face. It didn't matter if I was in the store, if I was driving, where I was at. She was so funny. And, you know, she loved scary movies. She loved music, all kinds of music. She liked All-American Rejects. She loved Bow Wow. She loved Beyonce. She loved so many different artists back in the day. Hip-hop was definitely one of her biggest things that she loved. She had a, a kind of a, a mixture of where she was very girly, girly, but then she also could take a worm off of a hook where, like, I could never do something like that. Her laughter to me was, like, what I miss. One of the biggest things I miss about her is her laughter. Like many young girls in the aughts, Megan loved talking on the internet. When she discovered MySpace, she instantly wanted her own account. When Megan started with wanting to have a MySpace account was when she was going into eighth grade. And I was a nervous wreck about it. And I also watched the news. I, I watched 2020 and How to Catch a Predator. So, you know, my fear was sexual predators. On top of the fact that I had a kid who had struggled for so long with her self-esteem and self-worth that I was worried that they could, somebody could say something nice to Megan and, you know, get her to meet them at the mall or go to the movies. Those were things that I was always concerned with. Megan first set up an account when she was staying with a friend at a relative's house. They set up a fake account together. It made me realize that they can have access anywhere. Like, this is really scary. And, you know, even putting her picture out there, not knowing who the other person was. So I tried explaining to Megan about, you know, we need to get this shut down. This is not okay to put a fake picture out there. I understand that you finally told them that this is really you, but that's not the way it's going to work. Megan begged me to not cut her off from these two boys that she had talked to. I really had a hard time because I needed to know that these boys were real. So I told her I needed their phone numbers, their parents' number. And I did talk to both of the parents. Tina didn't want Megan using MySpace. Still, she let her daughter set up an account. I knew Megan. If I didn't, Megan would find a way. Believe me, she would have found a way. 
Tina set some ground rules. The account was in Megan's name, but only Tina knew the password to it. Megan could only use MySpace on the shared computer in the living room and never on a laptop alone in her bedroom. And I even purchased this program that was called WatchWrite way back in the day. And it came in a disc in the mail and it would monitor every instant message and every website that she visited. This meant that Tina monitored every time Megan logged into MySpace. She could see every friend request that Megan got. There was nothing Megan could do on the social network without Tina's permission. She told me that I was a warden of a prison, that there was no other parent as strict as I was, that it was pretty embarrassing. And, you know, I said, I get it. I do. I'm not worried about you. I'm worried about other people. One day, Megan got a friend request from a teenage boy named Josh Evans. And Megan looked at me and she's like, Mom, can I add him? Please, he is so hot. So I said, Meg, who is he? Is he a a friend of a friend or how do you know him? She goes like, Mom, I don't know. He's just hot, please. And I said, Megan, here's the thing. I will let you add him. But if there's anything negative, anything sexual, he is deleted immediately. And she said, okay, I promise. Tina was skeptical, but she let Megan add Josh as a friend. The reason is, is that I knew if I did not allow her to add somebody, she was going to do it behind my back. She would have went to a library. She would have went to a friend's house. She would have created a fake one again. I wouldn't know about it because now she would know how to erase all of her history. And... I thought at least if I did it this way, I could monitor it if there's any issues. Josh and Megan got close really fast. He told her she was beautiful. It meant a lot to Megan, who had been insecure about her looks since kindergarten. Josh even put Megan's photo up on his top eight and called her his girlfriend. How do I know you? You don't. I just thought you were pretty cute. This worried Tina. She reached out to a friend of Megan's who was good with computers and asked whether Josh's photo was real. It was real, the friend said, but there's something creepy about it. And that really troubled Tina. Me being the mom I was, I I called the police. And I wanted to know, can I find out if a MySpace profile is real or not? And they said, you know, you need to go to call cyber crimes. So then I called cyber crimes and they had said, you know, has anybody tried soliciting? Is there, or have you met somebody? Any of those? I said, no, it's just something doesn't feel right. Well, listen, lady, (laughs) we don't have enough people there to be able to monitor all of these accounts because this was so brand new at the time. When Megan was at school, Tina wrote to Josh on MySpace using Megan's account, which only she had the password for, and she asked him to stop messaging her daughter. Megan was furious. And she made me promise, Mom, that is embarrassing. Please don't comment on anything until I'm home. 
I said, okay, I will make the deal with you because again, I was trying to keep this balance between her trust and her not going and make creating a fake account where I didn't know, but balancing that. So I said, I promise I will not open. I will not do anything. We'll turn the notifications off. That way it will only be opened up when you get home. After the break, Josh and Megan continue to grow close while the mystery of his identity turns into a threat. This is it, your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global. Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Josh and Megan continue to exchange messages for several weeks. Lucky me and lucky you, because you are my number one. He was often evasive. Still, Josh was attentive and engaging when he wrote to Megan. I went to the mall. What mall did you go to? Maybe we can meet and go to the mall or the movies. Oh, I don't remember what mall. But then, without warning... Josh's feelings changed. I don't know if I want to be friends with you anymore because I've heard that you are not very nice to your friends. Megan asked her mother what could be going on with Josh. Tina told her, you know, some people just have bad days. It was confusing for Megan, but she seemed to have brushed Josh's comments off. Plus, Megan was busy. She had her 14th birthday party coming up. The next day, Megan went to school. She was in a great mood, handed out her invitations. I picked her up. All of her friends were coming to her birthday party. And then she asked to sign on to to MySpace. Megan logged into MySpace to find more messages from Josh, accusing her of being unkind to her friends. I heard you're not nice to your friends. And I don't want to be friends with you anymore. Okay, how about no? Tell me who they are. And yes, or whatever. You know, you ain't too nice yourself. Typically, I always made sure she signed off, but it was raining really hard that day. I had to go grab her sister and I left. 
I called Megan two different times from the orthodontist office. Both times she was crying. The last time she was sobbing where I couldn't even understand her. And I said, please get off the MySpace. I came home. Megan was still sobbing at the computer. And I said, let me sit down. And I was tired and frustrated as a mom. I had been running all day. My other daughter was crying because her braces were tightened. Megan was crying because of this. There was still dinner, homework, showers, all of that. And when I sat down and looked at the computer, um, there were messages that went from Josh to Megan, Megan to Josh. Megan was defending herself, but Josh's messages were cruel. Fat ass, whore, the world would be a better off place without you in it. One of her friends called the home phone um, and Megan picked it up and was crying and just said, I I have to talk to you later. And she ran upstairs to her room. I tried looking at a little bit more of what happened, but I went upstairs into the kitchen and her dad came downstairs and said, what is going on? He started cooking dinner and we were talking about what was going on and he didn't like anything to do with her taking photos, anything on the MySpace, anything to do with any of that. 20 minutes later, I just had a horrible feeling that ran through my entire body. I stopped in mid-sentence and ran up to her room. I opened the door and I found Megan hanging in her closet. Um... I screamed. Her dad came upstairs. I tried finding the phone. The weird part of it was is that as I was trying to dial out her home phone to 911, my younger daughter, Allison, was calling to see if dinner was ready to come home because she was across the street, and I was frantically screaming to hang up the phone. And I had to run around and find my cell phone to call, and... As I was dialing and calling 911, Ron, Megan's dad, was giving her CPR, and Allison ran home in the midst of all of it. The Megan was not breathing. The paramedics arrived. Um, they got Megan's heart started and got her to start breathing with assistance. Um, and there was a small glimmer of hope <laughs> of maybe, maybe she's going to make it through. Megan was taken to the children's hospital. She couldn't be revived. But going home, I couldn't go back to our house. Um, We went and stayed at my mom's house. And I I think it was trying to figure out, like, how? How does this happen? It felt unreal. Tina's grief was overwhelming. And as Tina began to ruminate on the circumstances leading up to Megan's death, she kept going back to that one MySpace user, Josh Evans. He deleted his account the night Megan took her life. And I couldn't figure out, like, what happened. I was like, is it a a kid that was scared or was it an adult? And now that the Josh Evans photo was gone I sat there for hours throughout the night throughout the day searching 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 
for like, who was this person? Where, where did they go? What happened? And no matter what I did, I couldn't find anything. Like it just all disappeared. Thanksgiving weekend, the family's first Thanksgiving without Megan. Tina and Ron Meyer were set to go to their grief support group for parents who have lost a child to suicide. It was just over a month after Megan passed. The phone rang. We got a call from a neighbor that I didn't know very well saying that she had to talk to me about Megan's death. And I was kind of like taken back and almost a little bit frustrated thinking, I really don't know you. You're calling me on this weekend. I'm going to a grief support group. I don't know what to tell you. I don't want to sit there and listen to you asking questions about Megan's death. And then we got another call. And this call was from a man that lived in our subdivision who was a counselor who did talk to Ron and I during these times and said, Tina, it is really important for you guys to attend this meeting. Do you have any other, you know, your parents, anybody that can be there to support you guys? It was confusing. But Tina and Ron knew this neighbor, assumed he had the best intentions, and went to the gathering, while not entirely sure what it was about. When the Myers arrived, they saw acquaintances of theirs sitting in chairs set up in a circle and I walked in and I said so you're going to tell me that the Josh Evans account was fake is that what you're going to tell me and then they told me that Lori Drew in our subdivision her daughter created this fake MySpace account as a hoax to be able to trick Megan I don't know if I I want to be friends friends with you anymore because because I've heard that you're not very nice to your friends. Lori Drew wasn't even hiding her involvement in setting up the fake account with her daughter and her daughter's friend. Lori told acquaintances that the Josh Evans account had been a prank to retaliate for Megan once calling her daughter names. She sounded, if not proud, in no way contrite. Mind you, this is after the suicide of 13-year-old Megan. One of the neighbors found out because her daughter was in extracurriculars with Lori Drew's daughter. That neighbor knew she had to do something. Tina had to know. The mom kept pressuring Lori Drew to please come forward and talk to us. She contacted a church, she contacted the police department, contacted anybody and everybody and said, this family needs to know what happened. And this was her final solution to try to do something so that we knew. And when we found out, I think there was calls made to our other family. And I think they were worried that Ron was going to go down and kill them because these this family lived four houses down the street. I think Ron was more in shock where I was so angry. All I thought about doing was going and ripping them apart. That's all I wanted to do. And when we drove back home, 
we had family and neighbors kind of blocking the street so that we could not go down to the Drew's house, Lord Drew's house. And we pulled in the driveway and everybody was hysterical. Our family, our neighbors, everybody was sobbing. Hysterical emotions were everywhere. Everybody from one person that would say, no, don't go down there. The other person would completely lose it and want to go down there. And I tried running down there several times and was held back. The Myers and the Drews had been neighbors. They knew each other. Tina and Ron were even hiding a foosball table in their garage for the Drews so they could surprise their kids with it at Christmas. Lori Drew had gone to Megan's wake and funeral. This was also the same woman that when, after Megan died, we went and knocked on their door and told Sarah because we wanted her to know to try to make sure she could be okay. The same family that invited us to Sarah's birthday party to come down to their house to sing and have cake, which was three days after Megan's birthday, to sit there and watch us in absolute misery. Tina and Ron thought about the foosball table that they were holding for the Drews. We grabbed, it sounds ridiculous now, but we grabbed the foosball table and one of us had a sledgehammer, one of us had an axe, and we destroyed the foosball table, put it in the back of Ron's truck, um, the big cardboard box, I spray painted Merry Christmas on it. We drove down the street, we unloaded it all behind their van and put the box there, came back home, and Lori Drew, her husband, and Sarah Drew, they sent Sarah in front of them, walked down the sidewalk with their hands in the air of, what's going on? What's what's happening? And they had, our neighbors went and told them if they knew what was good for them, that they would leave and go home. They sent then Lori, or Sarah Drew, the 14-year-old now, to our front door to knock on our door to talk to us. And... Ron told her to go home. Do not come back here again. Go home. Lori Drew then called the police department <laughs> to file charges for against us for destruction of personal property. And at that time is when Lori Drew told the police department, the police officer and the police report why all of this was happening that she created a fake account to gain Megan's confidence to find out if Megan was talking about her daughter behind her back. And that, that is the sole reason. Lori Drew confessed, but it didn't change the fact that Megan was gone and her loss had major repercussions. Losing Megan took a toll on Tina and Ron's marriage. They had been high school sweethearts, but trauma changes relationships. People don't always grieve the same way. They separated in 2007. And in addition to the grief, Tina felt incredible rage toward the Drews. I would literally go back home and pray at night to give me the strength to not go down to hurt them because I would see them driving on the streets, taking their kids to school, acting like life was just normal again. And when I, you know, I don't hide anything. I am very transparent. There were, when I talk about losing your mind, 
When I saw them drive down the street, I would try to run them off the road, like literally try to run them off the road. Everything inside of me, you could feel normal for a second. And then I would see them and it would take over me this rage of how dare you just go on about your life when you've done all this. What Lori Drew did to Megan was beyond Tina's imagination. It felt like a crime. It had to be a crime, Tina thought. She reached out to lawyers and spoke with the FBI. The hope was at that time that if there was not going to be vengeance and they were not going to feel the pain, then there needed to be justice. Something needed to be done because I didn't want another family going through this. The FBI got a hold of every message from the Drew household to the Meyer household. They were treating the circumstances around Megan's death seriously, but the investigation went nowhere. They felt no one could prosecute it, and I thought, what are we supposed to do now? And I remember the one um, FBI agent who was phenomenal. He said, Tina, don't give up. Don't give up. Get the laws changed. I thought, okay, great. How do you do that? (laughs) Around this time, Tina got in touch with a journalist in St. Louis. He started working on a story about Megan's death. I thought, this finally is going to get Lori Drew's name out there, right? This finally is going to get everybody to see, because in between this time, it's about a year, there were people that thought that we just were trying to blame people for Megan's death. Like, we were trying to push blame on somebody else, and really it must have been us. And I wanted to, like, clear Megan's name. I wanted people to know. And he refused, or his publisher refused, to release Lori's true name. I was not happy. And I told him how unhappy I was about it. You know, I get why they have to do certain things through protection of children, and I I get all of that now. But I was not happy. But the reality is that one newspaper article that went out got the attention of a blogger out of state. The blogger out of state contacted the journalist and started pushing this out. And all of the things that I ever wanted to be able to do to the Drews, everybody, they all did this. I mean, they, um, people that found out about this and read about it and heard about it because now it's, you know, in newspapers and on blogs and Um, That was even before the big viral, you know, where everything went viral. You know, we had news stations and national media and all of that were starting to come about wanting to hear about the story. You know, back then, when a local news station, we called them about the story, they said, we don't do suicide, especially on youth. We don't do those stories. Megan's death and what happened on MySpace was being discussed all around the world Tina was regularly speaking with the media. One day in January of 2008, over a year after Megan passed, Tina got a call from a reporter. And they said, are you aware about the indictment of Lori Drew? And I'm like, what? I have no clue what you're talking about. They said, well, a federal grand jury indicted Lori Drew. It was the first Tina had heard about the indictment. And I said, okay, 
I don't know anything about it. So I got off the phone and one of the producers from the Today Show called and said, Tina, can you get on a plane in an hour? I'm like, I am back over at my old house. I am in the process of cleaning out Megan's room. It was horribly hard to do. My hair is in a ponytail. I'm in sweatpants and you want me to get on a plane. If it did happen to her, then some have said you'd have to prosecute a lot of people because a lot of people create these phony sites for very innocent reasons. So is it really fair? Well, you know what? Innocent reasons, I don't see any innocent reasons. And I think that what it would do is people would shut them down pretty quickly. And I think it would be a good statement for people to say, you know what, this is not okay. Making any type of a false MySpace account or Facebook account or any account is not okay. You're, you're still defrauding somebody, whether you're finding out if it's a cheating boyfriend, girlfriend, whether you're doing it as a joke to play with somebody. Any of those things to falsify it, you're doing it under, you're doing it in a way that's not truthful and it doesn't need to be done. I remember my aunt when I would be like, I can't do another interview. I cannot do another TV show. I cannot do this anymore. I'm exhausted. She would say, Tina, what if there's another Megan out there? What if there's another you out there? Megan would have been 30 years old this year. The foundation Tina set up in her honor, the Megan Meyer Foundation, is still going strong. But this was just the beginning of the media firestorm. There was a trial and Lori Drew was eventually acquitted. But what happened next set in motion events that would lead to MySpace's eventual collapse. More on this in the next episode of Main Accounts. Thanks for listening to Main Accounts, the story of MySpace, an iHeart original podcast. Main Accounts, the story of MySpace, is written and hosted by me, Joanne McNeil. Editing and sound design by Mike Coscarelli, and Mary Dew. Original music by Elise McCoy. Mixing and mastering by Josh Fisher. Research and fact-checking by Austin Thompson, Jocelyn Sears, and Marissa Brown. Show logo by Lucy Quintanilla. Special thanks to Ryan Murdoch, Grace Fuse, and Bahid Frazier. Our associate producer is Lauren Phillip. Our senior producer is Mike Coscarelli. And our executive producer is Jason English. If you're enjoying the show, leave us a rating and a review on your favorite podcast platform. Sadly, my MySpace page is no longer around, but you can find me on Twitter at Joe Mick. Let us hear your MySpace story. And check out my book, Lurking. Main Accounts, The Story of MySpace is a production of iHeart Podcasts. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Hey guys, you know what this playground could use? A wine country, huh? A redwood forest would be cool. Ski slopes! Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. 
You never want to find yourself out on the water fishing without the essentials. So it's best to always pack a Columbia PFG Solar Stream Elite hoodie to protect against the sun. I mean, it provides great protection and it's really breathable so you don't get hot. That's a win-win. Columbia PFG has a lot of great gear. So before you head out on the water, head over to Columbia.com slash PFG to shop their performance fishing gear. 